Okay, let's begin. Parsha's Tazria. Parsha's Tazria. Tav Shin Pebez. Um, just scheduling note next week. My schedule changed this afternoon. So next week, I do not think there'll be a shear. I might not be in the country next week. Uh, but the, the following, so I don't think there'll be a shear, at least for now, for Mitzorah. But the following week, there'll be a Haggadah shear. The Haggadah shear will be that Monday night. Monday night before Pesach. That'll be the Haggadah shear instead. Don't be a, there's no Parsha that week. It's Pesach. Um, and then the following Parsha after that, um, here in Eretz Yisrael, we get a week ahead of uh, Chutz Laaretz, so we'll be a week ahead. So there'll be, uh, the next Parsha shear, I'm guessing, will be um, Akdoshim, Kedoshim, because uh, Mitzorah, there won't be a shear next week. And then Achremos is the day after Pesach, which is Shemini uh, Shal Pesach for Bnei Chutz Laaretz, Kedoshim, so we'll be a week ahead for a, uh, a little while. Um, after um, <clears throat> after Pesach. But either way, right now, Tazria, next week, as of now, no shear. And the following Monday, the Monday night before Pesach, by the Shem, we'll have the Haggadah shear. We'll probably start earlier, probably start 8 o'clock. Um, and then we'll, we'll uh, have it hopefully up, by the Shem, that Monday night uh, before Pesach. But again, there are uh, 17, 18 years worth of other Haggadah shear. People want to get in the mood uh, before uh, before that shear. Okay, here we go, Parshas Tazria. Says Rav Palm, what is the connection we often have breaks between Tzav and Shmini, Shmini and Tazria, depending on the on the uh, calendar. This year we have Shmini and Tazria, one right after the other. So what exactly is the, can we come up with a connection between the end of Shmini and the beginning of Tazria? If we look at it globally, if we look at it overall, <laughs> then the entire first part of, of Sefer Vayikra is already uh, very beautifully structured, right? We have Kedusha, uh, and then we have Tumavatara. So we start off with Kedusha and Hektish, that's Vayikra and Sav are all about the Karbanos. Uh, Shmini continues the Karbanos, the first half, but then we get into Tumavatara in Shmini. Tumavatara has to do with, uh, what we eat, meaning kosher and not kosher in the Torah is called Tumavatara. Then we continue with other halachas of Tumavatara. Here in Tazria, we have the Yoledas, a woman has a, has a, has a baby. We have all the halachas of a Mitzorah, uh, and then we have halachas of Zav and a Zava and a Nida, all the halachas of Tumavatara. So through, uh, Mitzorah, that's the first half of Sefer Vayikra, we have all the halachas of Kachim and Taras. Uh, after that, we go to, uh, which is really the transition parsha. We discussed that a couple of years ago in the Shabbos Shuvah The transition, and then we get into everyday halachas with Kedoshim and Emor and Bahar and uh, Bechukosai. But let's focus, that was the macro. Now let's get back to the micro. And that is Shmini and Tazria. What is the connection? So says Rav Palm, just so simply, so simply, but he says it. Shmini is about what we eat. What goes into our mouth? Tazria is about largely tsaras, which out of the many sins that Chazal say, the most famous one is Lashon Hara. We not only have to make sure what goes into our mouth is kosher, we have to make sure that what goes out of our mouth is just as kosher. And we have to make sure that we are makbid on mahadrin mina mahadrin when it comes to what goes out of our mouth. The same way a person has to be very careful about what he puts into his mouth, so too about what goes out of his mouth. And he quotes the Grup in the Geras HaGrup that he wrote a letter to, uh, to his family when he was going to Eretz Yisrael and he didn't end up getting there. Many of the Talmidei HaGrup, it's fascinating just historically that the, the Aliyah over the past couple hundred years was really started by the Talmidei HaGrup and the Talmidei HaBal Shem Tov, right? Together, the Achdus came and they, um, and they brought it, the Talmidim of these great, uh, these great giants. But what does he write? What does he write in his letter to his family? The main topic of the letter is the power of the mouth. The most important factor to earn <laughs> the world to come is guarding one's tongue from forbidden speech. This is more than all the Torah one learns and mitzvahs one performs because the mouth is holy of holies. Right? The mouth is what makes us different. What's our unique element in creation? We have dirt and plants, right? The levels of being and animals. And then people, what makes us different? Our koach hadibor, right? We're called ruach mamalala, a talking spirit. Wherever a person goes, he is followed by angels who, like stenographers, record every word that he speaks. Every single word that comes out of our mouth is recorded. And there's going to be a video or a tape recorder, if one remembers those, after 120 Right? Every single, an audio. An audio tape, everything. 
Now, we mentioned in the past a beautiful Rambam, where the Rambam discusses in, in uh, Pirish and Mishnais, I didn't give it to you again, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous Rambam, the five categories of speech. Everything we say can be split into five different categories. Right? There's, there's quickly, the mitzvah, number one, Torah and mitzvahs, and then we have, on the other side, what's Asr, we have mitzvah and Asr, right? Those are the two extremes. Then we have Divrei Rishus, which are, you know, what you have to talk about in life. Carpools and shopping and, uh, you know, stuff. Every stuff that we need to discuss. Divrei work. And then the other two categories. Ratsui and low Ratsui. Meaning, things that are not mitzvos and Torah, but they're constructive and positive. And then there are things that are not mamish, Lashon Hara, Nivel Peh, but they're not so appropriate. The gray area. Every single word that we say goes into the cash register, into one of these bins. So we have to try in our life to fill up at least two of those bins a lot. One of those bins, maybe two, and there's gonna, always going to be some divrei rishus. But every single word that we say from when we're very young. So Rav Palm says, Shmini, what goes into our mouth? Tazria, what goes out of our mouth? Right, we have to make sure. And then Rav Palm continues on the top of the column and says, and Lashon Hara, the way to solve Lashon Hara or other uh, faults of the mouth is not in the mouth. That's just the symptom. It obviously starts in the heart. It is the person's eyes and heart. The eye sees faults and shortcomings in other people. This brings the heart to have bad feelings about them and those feelings are expressed by the mouth. Right? When one loves another person, he's able to overlook the other shortcomings. So we have to try to train our mind and train our heart. And then Mimela... <laughs> the uh, positive ideas would would uh, come out. And then what Rav Palm sp- speaks about often in his writings, I've seen this a number of places, he notes that Baruch Hashem, the Chavetz Chaim put Lashon Hara on the map. Right? We all know about Lashon Hara and guard your tongue and uh, all these uh, telephone guard your tongue and Shemir Salam, all these wonderful programs. But Rachman al there's another very common verbal sin that the Chafetz Chaim didn't put on the map, but Chazal did. And that's what he talks about Ono Azdvarim. Ono Azdvarim, making fun of someone, making somebody feel bad. That's not Lashon Hara, but it's just not as famous. But it's just as usser. And maybe just as common. Right, making a joke, poking fun. You know, in the world today, that's normal. That's normal, and if you can't take an insult, that's your fault. No, but that's not how Yadus looks at it. Not how Yadus. Godol anoz dvarim, meonoz mamon. The Gemara says, Bambatsiya. And a person has to be very careful, the Gemara says, even more. The greatest anoz dvarim carefulness has to be between a spouse and a husband to a wife. Godol anoz dvarim, dimasa That's what he discusses. We have to be so careful about reaction and how we, and how we talk. And at the end of the piece, at the end of page number two, he discusses the Pazagin Mishlei. Chaim v'hamavis biyad halashon. Right? Chaim and mavis. The power of the tongue to cause death is not limited to its literal meaning. A person could say something to someone else that for a moment will make his life so miserable and unbearable he'd wish he were dead. We have to recognize the power of our mouth in both directions. The power of a chizuk. To give somebody a chizuk, somebody who is having a tough day, a little word of encouragement can make all the difference. By a teacher, by a rabbi, by a parent. A little word can make all the difference, even if they don't show it at the time. But that's what we have to recognize, says Rav Palm, not only what goes into our mouth, but what goes out of our mouth. Okay. Moving right along, so we have Parshas Tazria, So we have a Yoledes, she's Tabe for seven days. We know the Alachas of Tumavitara, of a Yoledes, a woman has a baby boy. She's Tumea for seven days. And then Tahora automatically for 33 days. If she has a girl, it's double, 14 and 66. But stuck right in the middle of this calculation is Brismila. Is Brismila. So we have Pasuk Bays, which is about a woman having a baby boy, the days of Tuma. And then, by the way, there's a halacha of Rismila when it comes to a baby boy. And then we get back to, We have 33 days where she is tahora, no matter if she's having any type of flow. And for a nekeva, it is 
double. And at the end of the days, she brings a carbon. Uh, right, women are all obligated. Right, when Mashiach comes, the women are going to have to bring all the sets of carbonos that they are obligated. So if you look in this, in the Mayan Beis HaShoeva, Rav Pam, uh, has a thought here about Brismila. You can talk about Brismila in this parsha. You can talk about it back in Sefer Bracious. But um, this is, sorry, Rav Schwab. What did I say? Rav Schwab. So Rav Schwab says in Mayan Beis HaShoeva, um, in source number three, what's the Gemara Masechus Menachas, which we've touched on in the past. The Gemara Menachas talks about how David Melech was always positive. He was always looking uh, at, the, at the bright side. But there was one moment in time that he got very upset and sad. David Melech once went into the shower and he starts thinking to himself, what mitzvah? How am I connecting to Hashem at this moment in my life? I don't have tefillin. I don't have mezuzah. I don't have anything. What am I doing? I'm just taking a shower. And he remembered the mitzvah of Rasmila and he says, okay. He had Yishevadas. He was calmed. When he went out of the shower, not in the shower, but when he went out of the shower, he sung to Hashem. As the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Al Hashminis. Mizmar David Shmini, which is the, um, a reference to Mila, Shenina Bishmini. The Gemara even says the Eid Bracha, Rifa'enu, right, uh, relating to, uh, Rifua. Says Rif Pam, how exactly are we supposed to understand this? What about when he went to sleep? What mitzvah was he doing when he went to sleep? There's a whole discussion in the poskim, the Magen Avram and the Arizal, about wearing tzitzes when one goes to sleep. So the minagolam is not to wear tzitzes. We take off our tzitzes, we put them on in the morning. The question is, could you bring a raya in one direction or the other direction? The Gemara says, oh, he was in the shower. It must be that he wore tzitzes when he went to sleep. Or else he would have been upset at that moment. But others say, no. Even if he wasn't wearing tzitzes, he had a mezuzah on the door. So that's good enough that he wasn't upset. So back and forth, make this interesting halachic discussion, not for now. But says Rav Schwab, what about when he went to sleep? And also, as you, as you fall asleep, you can think about learning. You can think about Torah and be connected in that way. That's sometimes the best way to fall asleep. Just start thinking about learning. And then, uh, you know, sometimes the easiest way is just to go to a shir. Right? And then uh, someone wants to get some sleep. Right? Why was the dafka in the shower? And what about Mila? Was it the mitzvah of Mila specifically? Does Mila symbolize something? Says Rav Shwab, V'kivan sheniskar b'mila shebibsaron es yashvedaito. Yesh lofarish ha-kavana. Sheniskar b'nyin mila. Mila is a mitzvah, but it also represents. It represents an eternal connection to Hashem. And what David might have realized is not dafka, bris mila. Right? Bris mila. If somebody has a bris milah, does that mean that they're for the rest of one's life they're doing the mitzvah of bris milah? Every second after day eight, the male is fulfilling bris milah? No. You do milah once, he has a status based on that. But what's the status? The status is somebody who has an os bris kodesh, os bris, a, an os between a kodesh baruch Hu and the Jew. And that's what David HaMelech recognized. Not just the mitzvah. But the connection, which, by the way, applies to men and women, this ultimate connection. One doesn't need a bris milah in order to have what bris milah symbolizes. If you have this mitzvah, then you will be complete. What other mitzvahs have that? The Indian Amila is to remember Hashem constantly. Hashem gives us that schus to be able to be connected to Him always. The Indian, and we know how the Gemara talks about how Makpid Am Yisrael has been for Brismila over the thousands of years and how much we were Moser Nefesh. And we have even the stories in the Holocaust about, about Brismila. The Indian and even in the Beis HaMerchatz, we're connected. We know, there are halachas in the Beis HaMerchatz. Halachas had a shower, right? Sneas. 
So wherever we are, we're serving Hashem. Wherever we are, we're told what to do. Right? You can't think about Torah. That's also a halacha. And therefore, David HaMelech sings. Because that's what he recognizes. He recognizes that we're always connected. We're always connected. What is chus that we have? That we're always connected. That we are chosen. Right, we're chosen. We just have to recognize and have besimcha. Right, I'm going to mention, just to foreshadow, one of the thoughts in the Haggadah Shir is going to be from Rapinkus, as we'll get to by the time then. But um, the natural state of a human being, and specifically of a Jew, should be simcha. Because we're connected to HaKadosh Baruch It's just that life gets in the way. You know, we think, if you ask the average person on the street, no, it's not natural to be happy. It's natural to be upset and angry. And then we have to try to work. Like if somebody... We mentioned this. If somebody comes over to me and says, hi, with a big smile, and I'll say, what? <laughs> like, that's not normal. <laughs> like, why are you, like, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to be, I'm just happy. Why are you, why are you happy? There has to be a reason. There has to be a reason, <laughs> right? right? Everybody else, if you're like glum, you don't need a reason for that. That's normal. But Rav Pincus says, no, no, the natural state Again, it doesn't mean it's not hard. David Melech knew that too. If do us Hashem besimcha, it's an avoda. It's an avoda to uncover the layers of the natural state. Right? When a baby, when a baby is being nursed, there's nothing wrong in life. There's nothing wrong. That's it. That's it because that's the natural state. There's no worries. There's nothing. There's nothing except I'm taken care of. And that's what David Melech recognized. And that was in Yashvedaito, and that's the message of Brismilo. Biyamashmini, Yimol, Basar, Arlasa. Another related point on the Mitzvah Biyamashmini, which relates to uh, the context that is brought in here. Right? The context being uh Yimei Tum and Yimei Tara, and then and then Brismilo. So the Gemara tells us in Nida Daflamadalaf, I just gave it to you in source number four. We know the Tartamima quotes all of the Gemaras. So the Gemara asks in Nida, Shahwa Tamidim Vishrum Bayukai. Rishabai Chai's Talmidim asked him a number of questions in Shas. I don't remember of anyone else that has so many. Right, we discussed this a few weeks ago. The Talmidim asked Rishabai Chai, why were the Jews, you know, going to be killed Purim time? Right, in the Gemara Sechas Yuma, around Ayin Vav or so. Why, why did the month fall once a year? Why did it fall every day? So they asked him a lot of Rishabai Chai. So here too, they asked Rishabai Chai, Mibnei Ma'am, Ratara, Mila, Lishmona. Why is Brismila on day eight? Why is it on day eight? Why not on day six? Why not on day one? Why on day ten? Amr Lahemi says, So everybody else is celebrating at a bris milah. But the husband and the wife, up until day eight, she's Tameya. They can't give each other a hug. So says the Torah, say Chazal, it's not fit, it's not appropriate, it's not night, whatever it is. The Torah says bris on day eight. So by the time day eight comes around, right, days of Tumah for a boy is seven days. So on day eight, day seven, she goes to the mikvah, and then the next day eight, she's Tahora. So they're besimcha. Says the Torah to me, quotes a discussion from the Grah. So we know bisman hazeh, that's not true. Bisman hazeh, as the Gemara says, uh, we're not boal adam tohar, that a woman is Tamea, lomaisa, to her husband for a couple of weeks after a baby is born. So day eight is not happening. Bizman Hazeh. So the Grah uses this halacha. This halacha, brismila, but brismila doesn't change based on that. Oh, now the husband and wife, you know, it's going to be five weeks, so brismila will be on day 36. No, it doesn't change. Says the Grah, this halacha, and the Grah is giving, the Chazal are giving a reason for the basis for the, for the halacha daraisa. For the biblical law. Says the Grah, reasons do not determine the law. There could be reasons that Chazal give us for certain halachas, but ultimately the halachas from Hashem. And even if the reason does not apply, right, reasons are just there, as one of the Mepharshim say, Tam is a reason, but Tam is also a taste. Reasons help make it tastier for us. They make it you know, easier to do, because 
But that's not the essence. That's not the essence. Says the Gra. To call Takana. And the same thing applies to, the Gra says, Dina Durabanan. The Gra says in one place, there could be a thousand reasons for every Din Durabanan. We can't fathom Chazal. We can't fathom, as we just had to, we can't fathom Chaim Kanievsky. So then let's go back. And he can't fathom the Gra. And the Gra can't fathom the Rambam. And the Rambam can't fathom, keep going. The Tanoim, it, it's, it's beyond our capabilities to, to, to think about. They're, they're godless. But the Gros says there could be a thousand reasons for every din. So the one reason that we know of, uh, grinding medicines. You can't take medicine on Shabbos in certain cases because they used to grind. We don't grind medicine anymore. The halacha is the halacha. Says the Gros, this is the source for it. This din. To call takana sheniskana bishol eza siba kayemes, afapi shebatla hasiba, even if the reason does not apply anymore. Kagon hacha. Like here, shemavuar. Right? It stays the same. Okay, fine. But then he continues and says, maybe this is the pshat of the Medrash Tanchuma on the Pasuk. The Medrash Tanchuma, now the Tartamim is talking, says the Baruch HaLevi Epstein, line 12, I'm sorry, I skipped it. Right, it's line six. Tanchuma reish parshas titzave. Yilamdenu rabenu lekama tinok nimo lishmona kishem shenimo yitzchak avinu. When is brismila day eight? Like yitzchak. What does that medrash mean? We know brismila is day eight. It's in the pasuk in Chumash. You don't need a medrash to tell me. And what do you mean like Yitzchak Avinu? Okay, Yitzchak Avinu was the first Jew to have his brismila on day eight. Avram was much older. Avram was ninety-nine. Yishmael was thirteen, right? But Yitzchak was day eight. So what's the message of the medrash? When's Mila on day eight? Like Yitzchak says the Torah to be beautiful. The medrash is asking, what day is brismila? Bisman when the reason doesn't apply to do it on day eight. So what day do you do it? What is the Medrash answer? Day eight, like Yitzchak. What do you mean, like Yitzchak? Because in the days of Yitzchak, there were no halachas of Tumah B'Tarah either. So the reason didn't apply to Yitzchak, just like the reason doesn't apply to us. And by Yitzchak, it was day eight. That's the Medrash. Umeshiv denimo l'shmona, kishem shenimo Yitzchak, she'azad ha'elonitna Torah, v'dinidos, umemela lo ha'yashayach azatam, u'bechazanimol so he says, maybe this Vilna Gon idea is Pshat of the Medrash, and then he says, maybe it's also Pshat of the Rambam. Because if you look in the Rambam in the Mornavuchim, the Rambam in the Mornavuchim quotes, why is Brismil on day eight? Kedeshi, top left, Kedeshi is Chazku Kochos Havlad. So that the baby is strong. The baby is strong for the, for the, uh, the surgery. Right? What exactly? What exactly is? Why does the Rambam give a different reason for the halacha of day eight? Not what the Gemara says. Right, the Gemara says that the reason for day eight is, as we said, so that the uh, the father and the mother are besimcha as well. But why does the Rambam give a different reason? So suggests the Torah Tamima. Maybe the point is that it is which di- um, whether it's bizman hachazal or bizman hazev. Yeshlomer mishum tetam shebegemara eno shayach bizman hazeh shenogim luchumra bedam tohar. Because the reason of the Gemara is not applicable bizman hazeh, and that is why the Rambam quotes another reason. In order to be able to include not only a case of um, the halacha of the bizman chazal, but also bizman hazeh. Okay, that's what he quotes. We quoted, I think, a, a, a study a couple of uh, years ago that on day eight is the strongest level of blood clotting. That a child has. It gets a little strong, a little stronger. The age is the strongest, then it goes back, back down, becomes like normal. The age is like super strong. Okay. Maybe that's what the Rambam is, is referring to. But either way, the Tartamima says this idea of the Grat to explain the Tanchuma. 
and to explain the Rambam. Let's continue. So what does a woman bring when she has a baby? She has to bring karbanas. Pasukba. So on the, when the days are finished, either day 40 or day 80, bring either, uh, bring a keves, a sheep, and a bird. Bird, you have a choice. One of the two types of birds that are good for karbanos. A dove or a tor. Yona otar. Good. Says the Bauhaturim on the Pasuk. You have it quoted there in source number five. Right? We have Ben Yona Otar. Generally, Torim are mentioned first in the Pasuk. Torim to Bnei Yona. Chutzmikan. Except for here, Lefi Shenumevi Alechad. Usually you bring a Khan, which means a pair of birds. A pair of birds like Meseches Kinim. Uh, that's all about pairs that got mixed up. But usually it's a pair of birds. So Torim come first. But here you only bring one. Shemimatze Yona lo yikach tor. If you could find a Yona, don't take a tor. Lafisha benzugo misabil alav. Venom is davig laacher. Says the Bala Turim. A tor is monogamous. I'm not going to get into the science of it right now. But there are certain birds, certain animals, penguins, that have one mate for life. One mate. So says the Bala Turim, a tor has one mate. So if you take the tor, the fellow tor is going to be very sad and never have another mate. So it's better if you could take a benyona because you're only taking one. And that's why the benyona is mentioned first here in the Pasik. Benyona otor lechatas. So if you look here in the, in the Likut, El Yoni quotes the sensitivity of the Torah. The sensitivity of the Torah to an animal. Obviously a kavachomer, right? The Torah believes an animal, animal treated well. I don't know if I call it animal rights. I don't think I would call it that. But the, the idea that an animal is also, has a, is a creation of Hashem and has to be treated appropriately. Not in any way that it should override any type of, you know, um, human right. But, says the Lassid Chayali, the quotes here, we see what we have to, how careful we have to be. We don't want to cause any pain, any, any sacrifice. Right? We don't think that birds have feelings, but obviously, there's something there. Teva Torim Shein Makabam Tanchumim Beinim Zavegas Lachem Yitzhaz Ben Zukav Adoegas Kol Yomea Kalmana We don't want to cause that pain. We don't want to cause that pain. And what about when it comes to people? He quotes from Rav Zedel Epstein. Hey, Matzinu Musagim Urugishus Kazoi Tzal Bnei Adam the Torah is coming to teach us how sensitive, how sensitive we have to be even to animals. You have to take a carbon, but which carbon, which bird, which bird makes a difference? And he says there are other examples of this too. Other examples. Source number six. We also find in the Pasuk in Dvarim. Right? The Isser of Kilai Behema. Kilai Behema is cross-breeding and cross-working. We're not allowed to breed animals, but also we're not allowed to work animals. We're not allowed to put an ox and a donkey. Right? Remember years ago we quoted the story of Russell Adler who started dancing when the, they brought him a, a, a cow with a hook up to the horse. Because of Ebenezer, Ebenezer says, why are you not allowed to put those two together? So the Ebenezer says, because if you put a donkey and an ox, they have different strengths. It's just, it's not going to be easy for them. It's much easier if you have two oxen or two donkeys. So don't have two different animals. Again, the sensitivity that the Torah has, besides Sarbal which is Aser, but this is even the positive. Right, we know the Gemara tells us in Brachas, your animal has to eat before you eat, if, that, if it's his time to eat. Hatara, I'm not, I'm not saying here that everybody should have a pet. I'm just saying there's, you know, we don't have any, and I don't know plan to have any. But uh, I don't know if it's mamish in the ksuba, but yeah. it was, uh, it was uh, you know, we have enough going on. Baruch Hashem. Hatara masira otana balav miyuchad lihizar miligram sarabalechayim. Lachamar. 
Unbelievable. You can't put two different animals. And even more than that, says the, the Dasakanim, the Baliatosvis. There's a question in the, in the Rishonim. Does it apply, does the Isra of Kilai Behema apply to two different kosher animals? Or only one kosher, one not kosher? Because the example in the Torah is one kosher, one not kosher. Shorvachamor. What if I put a deer and a cow? What if I put two non-kosher animals? That's a machlokas we shown him. The Rambam, the Rush. But the Dasakanim here discusses the Svara for one kosher, one non-kosher. Shashar ma'ala gerev achamar yistark shishma shashar ocha. What's going to happen? The ox chews its cud. So they're both going to eat. And then all of a sudden, half an hour later, the donkey's going to look around to the side. He's going to see the ox regurgitating and eating. He's like, I didn't get a second lunch. I don't know what this, what's out of the sand? What's he, what's he doing here? He's eating and I'm not eating? It's going to cause a little tsar. Because he's going to see the chewing. Not just the pain. It's not... It's not real pain that they think about, but it is more of an instinctive jealousy. Kina tivis. Right? It could be animals. Right? If some animals see the other one eating, they're going to start fighting with the other animal to get the food. That's, that's, you can understand animals do that. Even though it's not true, because the animal's not eating. Right? It's just regurgitating. Chewing the cud. So you have this by... Our case about taking the tar. You have this by cross working. You have this, he quotes, by 13. Right? Not muzzling one's animal in the middle of working. No, you have to let the animal eat. Let the animal eat. Many stories. He quotes other stories of great gedolim that took care of, of animals, you know, that, um, were in their, in their sviva, feeding a cat because the cat was taking care of the mice. Okay. But either way, the message for us, how sensitive we have to be, kalvachomer, <laughs> to people, to the feelings of others, to the, um, you know, how much we have to think about the repercu- the ramifications of every action, everything we say, everything we do, that's a message that we can, that we can think about. Okay, we have to talk about saras a little bit, right? That's what the main of the parsha is, uh, is about. So we have the first part of Saras, how you become Tameh. Next part is how you become Tahar. So the Pasuk says, Adam kiyebar b'saros, se'ez, osapachas, obeheres. Hoyebar b'saros, nekat Saras. If you have Saras, we have the first step, which is already something muchudash that we might have said. Saras, we would have thought it's a medical condition. Right, go to a doctor, or just daven, to get rid of it. Vehuva el aron O elachan mibanav hakoanim. Tzdafka the Kohen. Rashi says, Gzeris hakasavhu, Rashi says. She'ein tumas nagamu tarasan elapi Kohen. If you have a Kohen who's an Amha Arbitz Lagamra, he doesn't know anything. But there's a Tamar Chacham Yisrael that knows all of Hilcha Saras. So they go together, and the Tamar Chacham says, This is Saras. Say Saras. The Kohen says, Saras. That's what he's talking about. That's the Halacha. It has to be a Kohen. It has to be a Kohen. So why does it have to be a Kohen? What's the message? What's the message? So if Salvechik writes, this is really from next week's Parsha, Mitzorah, in, in the Mitzorah Sarav, but it's about a Kohen. So it talks about it there, it talks about it here. Right, the Kohen. So why is it? Why is it? Only the Kohen has the right to pronounce the sick person clean or unclean. There's a task that a Kohen would not normally be expected to perform. Right, the coin has to stay away from Tumah as much as he can. And there he has to go and determine, go and determine, why is this job assigned to the Kohen? So he says, let's think about Mitzorah and Saras. And I think we could really appreciate this vart, this thought in our day and age over the past couple of years. In the days of old, there were phobias. The phobia related to leprosy. Again, we translate it as leprosy, but it's not really leprosy, as my father likes to say. It's tsaras, whatever tsaras is, some type of so. Rav Hirsch calls it a social illness, but it's uh, something—a message from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The phobia relates to related to tsaras in olden times is similar to the phobia of modern malignancy. You hear somebody has tsaras, all of a sudden you run away. You run away. It has a stigma of of uh, 
being something that you could catch. The greatest fear was the fear of discovery. One took sick and the outward symptoms caused others to suspect that he had leprosy. Immediately, he lost his human dignity. He becomes isolated from the community. People were afraid to associate it with him, even greet him. Right? All of a sudden, you hear about somebody, now it's even Loma Freya. Like, I was with them two days ago. You know, what's, what, what do I do? But it's, it's a, you, somebody gets labeled and all of a sudden everybody stays away. Again, if it's a real malignant illness that's, that's contagious, that's absolutely what you have to do. But a lot of this in the days of old, especially about Saras, the Saras of the Torah is not contagious. Unless you were, you caught the Lush and Horror bug also. Then it might be contagious. But it wasn't contagious, but it had a, it had a phobia. Or it could have. One might think, somebody sees spots on their friend, all of a sudden they might think, oh, I am staying away. You know what the Torah says? You go to the Kohen. You go to the leader of the community. Because at this time, when you're about to feel distant and punished and, and forlorn and sad, you know what Hashem tells you to do? You go to the leader. Because this is not meant to break you. This is meant to improve you. But it's not meant for you to be totally feeling isolated from the start. We're going to isolate you for a reason. We're going to. But it has to be determined. That it's determined by the, by the leaders. Etc. What is the Jewish approach on the top of the next page? The first thing the Torah demands is to go to the Kohen. The leper was thus instantly removed from mob psychoses. The Kohen diagnosed and pronounced the Tumah as Saras, but the leper was not subsequently cut off from society. He was in constant communication with the Kohenim. What do I do? What's the halacha? Tell me what to do. Right? The Mitzvah could request being seen by the Kohen Gadol himself because we have to recognize that he has Saras, but he's still a person. And he's still somebody we have to care about. And we can't have him think that he's totally, you know... Um, Thrown away. The Torah legislated to prevent the loss of human dignity. The coin went to the leper outside the camp. The leper was isolated from everyone except the leaders of the camp. You are needed. You will get well. You will return to society. The coin acts for the needs of the people. And that's where the coin's involved. Because the coin is supposed to be from Aaron, Ohev Shalom, Verodev Shalom. Dafka, the Ohev Shalom, Verodev Shalom. That, the coin has that in his DNA, right? The only bracha. Right, I do. I say many brachas, Baruch Hashem, and I will say many brachas, but I'm never going to say a bracha that has the word ba'ahava in it. I mean, maybe avarava, but not a birchas ha'mitzvah, not a birchas ha'mitzvah. Levorech hazamo Yisrael bi'ahava. Right, I was, I was when when a kohen, the Raman quotes at the end of Hilchos Trumos, the bracha when a kohen eats truma, when a kohen eats bikurim, kedishana b'kedushosal shel aron, and there's ava, there's ava in that bracha, because that's what a kohen is supposed to be. And that's why a Kohen is involved by a Mitzorah to make sure that the Mitzorah knows that he is not totally, um, you know, pushed aside. There's a kind of opposite thought coming up. So we have many of the details of Saras. One of the more well-known details of Hilchah Saras is in Pasuk Yud Gimel, 1313. Yud Gimel, Yud Gimel. saras as kol If Saras covers the entire body, there's not one spot on the body that doesn't have saras. Vitiara sanaga. Ironically, 99% you're a mitzora. 100% you're tar. You're tar. Kulo hafach lavan tarhu. And we've discussed that in the past. Various approaches. Why is that? Why is that? Why are you tar if you have so much saras? Right. So compare it to the the bezdin, the bezdin of 23. Right. If it's um, if it's 23 to 0, the guy gets off the hook. 22 to 1, he's chayev. There's a whole shaila in the Rishonim. What if I'm the one? And I know the guy's chayev, but I know if I say chayev, he's going to be off the hook. So maybe I should say putter. So then it'll be 22 to 1, and the guy will be killed. Am I allowed to do that? The answer is no. Right? You can't, can't say something that you're not, uh, that you don't think. But anyway, here, what's the message? So he quotes here in the Tiva Prinim, Nero Lafarish B'dach Remezu Musser. Source number nine. Shatam Madua. Again, this goes in a little bit of the opposite direction of the previous thought, but they could both be true. Misha Mispachas Pasta Bechol Besaro. The Mitzorah is put outside the camp. 
Again, he's not totally ostracized, like we just said, but he's separated. Why? Because he has to work on his mouth. And right now, when he's around other people, it doesn't work well. And maybe other people will be influenced. If somebody's only a hidden sinner or a part-time sinner, then maybe people won't stay away from him because they don't realize it. And maybe they'll be influenced. But those that have the wickedness on the inside, again, <laughs> part-time, so if somebody has saras all over his body, this child is saying, he has, he has a ton of saras, but people are going to stay away from him because they see him. He's totally infested. He's totally covered. So he doesn't need to be separated because there's no danger that people are going to be mushpa from him. Only someone who has maybe saras on the arm, saras on the leg, it's not totally visible. And even if it is, people might look the other way because there are parts of his body that are whole. So that person has to be watched over. Hashem totally reveals Saraz. And everybody knows to stay away from him. I'm sorry, that's if he has most. But if he has it over his whole body, everybody knows. Everybody stays away, and there's no danger. So it kind of works with the previous part, but also kind of the opposite. He doesn't have to be outside, because people are just going to stay away from him anyway. Because people don't want to be mushpa from that type of, from that type of person. Okay, so Mitzorah, again, it's, it's this balance of it's for him and it's for us. The previous one, we have to take care of him, but we also have to take care of the community and guard the, and guard the community. Okay, one final thought again. The, the thoughts this year are, are related, I guess, to the, the even though the Mitzorah is, needs to be pushed aside and needs to do tshuva, needs to focus on his faults, we have to make sure that he doesn't fall off the cliff. That was the previous thought and the following one as well. As we have the halacha, Yud Gimel Memhei. What are the halachas once somebody is uh, declared a mitzorah? Vatsaruah serbo anega. Begadav yufrumim. We tear his clothing. There are many parallels between a mitzorah and an avel. The Gemara talks about that in Moikatan. Mitzorah, avel, and someone who is in nidui, menuda. Somebody who's excommunicated. There's a parallel between those three. His clothing should be torn, and his head should grow his hair. What does that mean? Rashi. He has a mitzvah to tell people that he is Tame. If somebody comes close to him, I'm Tame Afsaras. The Yifra should be Manu and they'll separate from him. That's what Rashi quotes. He has to tell them that he's Tame and they will separate from him. But if you look in the Gemara, in Shabbos, there's a little um, more expansive Chazal. Beginning of source number 10, Shabbos Lamech Zayin, Tzarech lahodio tsaro larabim, verabim yevakshua larachamim. Not only tell people you're Tameh so that they'll stay away from you, tell people you're Tameh so that they'll daven for you. They'll daven for you. Tzarech lahodio tsaro larabim, and the question is, how are we supposed to understand that? Isn't saras a punishment? It's a punishment. And part of the punishment is you have to be all alone by yourself. Right? There's another chazal. You cause lashon, you cause machlokas between people by lashonara, and you separate between people, so you have to be separated. So, what is the davening part of this? Isn't this just an onesh? You have to be separated and stay away. So what exactly, how are we supposed to understand this? What does that mean? What does that mean that he's supposed to, he's supposed to ask others? Right? How, do, how does that connect to what we're, we're supposed to, how we're supposed to understand his behavior? 
So he quotes for Yeshlomar, the Lom de Mikan Yesod Gadol, the Migodel Chasti Hashem Yisbarach. In the Onesh, in the Onesh that you're separated, already is a little Nechama. We don't want you to think that you're totally lost, that you're separated, even though you're outside all the Machanos. We don't want you to give up hope. So part of what you need to do, you have to be separated. But part of what you need to do is to tell people, Davin for me. And that's going to give you chizik. Why? Usually when you give somebody a big punishment, you have to give him a way out. You have to give him a hope. Part of why he is depressed, says the Yom Simcha very fascinatingly, is that there are two tremendous powers of prayer that he no longer can take part in. And that is Tzibur and Beis HaKnesses. He has to be out of the Mach. I don't know. right? Even if there are ten Mitzvahs, they can't get together for a minion. They have to be separate from each other. Separate from each other. So they're missing this power of tefillah. The power of tefillah in a shul and the power of tefillah with a tzibur. How does that make them feel? I'm separated. Nobody's talking to me. And I can't even daven. Or I could daven, but it's, it's not, it doesn't have the, those, those powers. So you know what part of what he has to do is? He has to tell people daven for me. Because that itself will give him chizah because he knows, oh, they're going to daven for me in the tzibur, in the shul. So even though I don't have that power, but I know the people dominating for me has that, have that power. And that's what he quotes, line 18. He can't be part of it. Maybe I'm lost. And I, and I need Hashem's help in order to get out of this. So we tell him, no, no, tell people that you're Tafsaras and they should daven for you. Because which Jew won't daven for another Jew who's Bitsaris? Which Jew won't daven for another Jew? Even though he did something wrong and he's got his own work to do. It's part of the uh, embarrassing yourself. They'll hear his sar. They'll ask for Rachmanis. So the thoughts that we had tonight, a number of them were about the Mitzorah, who though he has his own work to do based on the sins that he committed, we don't want him to feel totally rejected. And that is why the Kohen is involved. And that is why he asked people to, to daven for him. Okay, one more thought related. And again, um, then we'll uh, conclude for this week. You have this from the Rav Avram Shor, Halakha Valibov, in one of his farm on, on Tazriya Mitzara. And he talks about something that's in other farm too, but Saras, Tsar. Saras, the Medrash connects this to Tsar Ayin. As we mentioned before from Rav Pam, it doesn't start with the mouth. It starts with the eye. It starts with the mind. It starts with the heart. Somebody who is Tsar Ayin. Right? Tsar Narrow, negative, ayin. Ayin can mean the letter ayin, right? Sara'as, but also ayin is the eye. Ayin is the eye. And he quotes on line seven. V'nei nega lo afaches eno. And even the Pasuk says, the nega didn't, didn't change color. But the language of the Torah is lo afaches eno. He didn't get the message. He didn't change his eye. V'yadua pirusho shalabris kahuna. Nothing greater than Oneg. Oneg, Shabbos, enjoyable, and nothing worse than a nega, an affliction. Same letters. Oneg and nega are same letters. Osamosios. he. The question is, how do you put them together? And he said, the chilik is, <coughs> where's the ayin? Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Are you looking at yourself? Or are you looking at others? Kiima ayin hu baroshateva oneg. 
If your eye and your eye looks elsewhere, you open up your eye, open up your eye and look around, then it turns into oneg. But if you don't really open up your eye and you focus on yourself, then it's nega. Your eyes in the bottom, at the end, not really focused, not really open, that's nega. If we want oneg, we need to look at others' needs and not just focus on myself and say whatever I want and not care about the state of other people. And that's the Pasik. The nega didn't turn his eye. Venera, and that's a remez. Os ha'ayin hu al-inyin ayin ha'adam. Ayin tova, or chas v'shalom, the opposite. So we have to recognize, to make sure it's an oneg, and not chas v'shalom, a nega. And he quotes, he continues and says, the ultimate time, I gave you the whole piece, but just look at the next page. The ultimate time of oneg, as we know, is on Shabbos. Why? Because on Shabbos is a day that we could, you know, get away from all of the other Tirdos that we have during the week and we could try to think clearly and try to have that ayin in the appropriate place that it's supposed to be. Oneg Shabbos. Oneg Shabbos. Shabbos Kodesh Uzman Oneg Velazakos La Oneg Srichim Lios Bal Ayin Tova. Right? If I have Oneg on Shabbos and it's only me, that's not really a Torah Oneg. Oneg, as the Ramam talks about, has to include others, has to focus on others. That's the key. The key of an ayin tov, which will lead us to oneg and not to nega, is when we open up our eyes and we look at others. And we see the, the plight of others and we need, we see what other people, what other people need. It says we have parshas tazria, we have to make sure that we, we change any nega into oneg. And we, ha- we start with the eye and we look at others, especially at this time of year where there are many people that need, we need so much, it costs a lot of money. And it costs a lot of chizuk, not just money, but words, and it's busy, and it's a busy time of year. So whatever we could do to help others and have the ayin, you know, that's something that we need to uh, need to focus on. Okay, again, just remember next week, as of now, there's no shear. I'll plan to be away. And the following Monday night uh, will be the Haggadah shear. Again, if something changes, we'll, we'll send out the, the emails and the WhatsApps, but that will do now. Okay.